All right, there's about five cat lovers. How many cat haters you got out there? <laughs> no love for the feline, right? All right, so um, have you ever seen the memes of the grumpy cat? You ever seen those memes of the grumpy cat? How about this guy? You ever seen him? I had fun once, and it was awful. You ever seen that guy? Look at this next one here. How about this meme with him? I'm not angry. I'm happiness challenged. That's the grumpy cat. Check out this next one. He's a good morning. No such thing. I mean, this, this is the real cat's face. I mean, this dude's just mad always. There are two types of people in this world, and I don't like them. All right? How about this next one here? This is my favorite. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. <laughs> this last cat right there, that last meme, it's the same cat, I think, actually. Uh, I see that a lot in people's lives. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm just thrilled to be following Jesus. You know, it's like, come, like there, there's reason to be joyful, right? Um, and I was thinking about that. I was like, man... It is true that we know that the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord, but we also know that it's true that sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. And it's hard to get the grumpy face off of us. And I think that cat has the grumpy face all the time. And what I want to do is help us see that there's reason to rejoice. We are coming to the final weeks of our sermon series on the book of Philippians, which we've titled Unshackled Joy. It's a, it's a letter written by Paul to inspire joy among followers of Jesus. And I think the reason he does that, in part, is because we understand that our joy is constantly under attack. There, there are many reasons in our lives for us to, to not feel joyful. We feel discouraged at times. We understand that joy does not come easily, instantly, or naturally. But it does come with effort and with trust, and with joy placed in the right place. Sixteen times in the book of Philippians, Paul addresses this topic of joy with the word joy or rejoice or gladness. We realize that joy is not something that always stays, it comes and goes. It's something you can't just make up. If you're not joyful, you can't just make yourself instantly joyful. You've got to fight for joy. And so what we've seen throughout this series in the book of Philippians is that uh, a lot of times our joy is contingent upon our circumstances. When, when life is easier and seemingly smoother, we find it easier to be joyful. But you and I know that life is not always filled with easy circumstances. And so what we must understand is that joy and adversity are not mutually exclusive. What I'm saying here, family, is you can have joy during hard times because joy is found in Jesus. And we found this throughout the book of Philippians to be true. You know, joy oftentimes, though, is put to test by the word worry. You've ever had worry or anxiousness steal your joy? You and I have experienced the bitter flavor of anxiety, whether it's job security or national security, whether it's paying your rent or your mortgage, 
or your school loans or medical debt. It creates anxiety in many of us. Some of you students are prepping for or just taking the ACT or SAT and you, you feel some angst about it. Maybe it's your parenting, as we saw in the video, or maybe it's your spending habits, or maybe it's unresolved or lingering conflicts with somebody, and you know you should have got that thing situated last week. And there are things that create anxiety in our lives. What I want us to understand today is that that God has a solution for anxiety. Now, I'm not talking about a a clinical kind of anxiety, although God does have a solution for that. Um, I I do want to acknowledge that there are are medical conditions that make some of us more anxious, and we we do need to seek medical help and counseling help. And and I want to encourage you to do that. If you you have anxiety disorders or you're struggling those ways, certainly please seek help. And above all, turn to God and cry out to him. Uh, So I I want to address that, that big picture anxiety. But there's also the the anxiety based on just the the different circumstances in life that comes and goes. And and whether it's this extreme version or these smaller versions, all of us, we we need to turn to God. And God has provided a solution for our anxious living. we got to understand that anxiety begins to win in our lives, though, when it convinces us that there is no peace for you. I know I've talked with people before where they feel so beat down by worry that they feel like peace isn't even possible any longer. You ever been there before? Anxiety begins to win when it convinces you that you should do anything you can except for pray. It's crazy how God tends to work in these ways. I feel like whenever I'm preaching on a topic like this, he wakes me up in the middle of the morning, middle of night and I feel anxious. And he's like, you're going to be preaching on it, right? I'm like, yes. But God, it's 3 in the morning, and I preach tomorrow. But he, he, he t- you got to pray. He's calling us to, to, to focus on him. Prayerlessness is peacelessness, and I made that word up. But it's true. See, getting worked up will lead you to getting stressed out, and getting prayed up will lead you to getting peace-filled. I preached from this passage a couple years ago, so some of this might sound familiar to you. And I titled the sermon back then, Say peace to anxiety. And so today, I still want to tell you, say peace to anxiety. And God has provided in his word a way for us to experience peace when worry seems to consume us. Do you want to know God's solution for worry? Do you want to know his help that he offers us when we're feeling anxious? Well, let's find the answer to that in Philippians chapter 4. Would you turn your Bible there? Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read together, and we'll, when you get there, can you stand to your feet if you're able? And I'm going to read verses 4 through 9 of Philippians chapter 4. Here we're going to find God's solution for the anxious life. Philippians chapter 4. There is a Bible and a chair in front of you if you haven't got one. And I believe it's page 981 or 982, something like that. That's what God's word tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 and following. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. He say anything? But in everything, say everything. 
everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and hear this, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen to that promise. You may be seated, fam. In order to say peace to anxiety, the anxieties that you feel, the pressures that you feel in your life right now, you've got to understand that prayer is anxiety's kryptonite. Prayer puts anxiety to rest. Now, it's not like a simple, let me pray, pray a quick prayer and all is going to be good the rest of my life. No, there, there's a battle we wage through prayer. But prayer is the means to peace. Now, we've said this many, 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 many times, and I'm going to say it over and over again because we've got to understand this. Because every world religion prays, don't they? So the power in prayer is not simply in the act of praying. But the power in prayer is found in the God to whom we pray. That's the power. When other world religions pray to a different God, there is no power, not because simply the prayers are weak, but because the God is weak. Our prayers are effective, not because you and I are masterful prayers, but because the God to whom we pray is powerful. So prayer is anxiety's kryptonite. And what Paul tells us here to do is to pray. He says, do not be anxious about anything. What's anything? Anything. And he says, in everything we are to pray. What Paul tells us here in in, in Philippians 4 verse 6 is that we are to pray about anything that brings you anxiousness. I find so much comfort in this. Because what we're learning is, no matter how seemingly small it is, but if it's bringing you stress and worry, you are to pray about it. I once heard a a teacher say something to the effect of, is God really concerned about you needing to find a parking space? he, He went on to talk about all these minuscule things that people pray about and basically says, don't do that. And I took him at his word, like, you know, that's true. I mean, you know, God, God wants these big prayers. Why am I worrying about these very small details? But when, when Paul says, you know, there are things in our lives that might seem small, like losing your keys before you got to go to work, say, pray about it if it's stressing you out. You can't find your wallet? You pray. If you're waiting for an important phone call and you're just, you're just, you're antsy, you pray. No matter how small it might seem, Paul says, in anything, pray. So there is no prayer request too small for the compassionate ears of God. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, there is no prayer request too large. Now, I'm talking big prayer requests. Like when you read the headlines 
and you hear about hunger across the world and it makes you worry and feel some sorrow, you pray about it. And it feels that that prayer is useless, right, in some ways because it feels so big. But who told you not to pray? Nobody. God says, pray about it. No matter if it's the violence in our city, you, you're, just, you're worried about it. And it's, just, it's creating some angst in your soul. You pray, say, God, do something about it. I, I find angst in our country when our, our Supreme Court nominee who believes in, the, in, the, in life in the womb and our media is in up, in, up in arms about it because they don't value it. God values it. And so that makes me, that makes me concerned, like, Lord, where are we going if we don't value these things? And so we pray about it, family. There is no prayer request too small. There is no prayer request too large. Paul says, in anything and in everything, you are to pray. Whatever weighs on your heart, make it a point for prayer. Just think about it. What is it right now? in your life, that you know if you thought about it long enough, you'll get a little squirmy in your seat. What kept you up last week? Does it seem small or does it seem big? No matter what, understand it's not too small and it's not too big for prayer. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer. Prayer is anxiety's kryptonite. If you can, hold this place in your Bible, but I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. It's the passage that our sister Lynette read for us earlier. Jesus gives some words on anxiousness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, which is probably about 100 pages to your left in your Bible. I think this passage is worth reading a second time this morning. Nothing's more powerful in speaking than God's word itself. But I want you to hear what Jesus tells the anxious person. And if you today are wrestling with something that is worrying you, hear what Jesus says to you, O daughter, O son of God child of God. He says in Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is using a rhetorical question to help them understand that they shouldn't be anxious. But then he gives them two examples of why you and I should not be anxious. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus says, take a look outside. When you see that pigeon, that annoying pigeon in Chicago streets, and you're like, why don't these things die off? It's because God provides for them. He takes care of the birds. They don't plant seeds. They don't water their crops. They don't bring a harvest into their barns. And they don't grow hungry. And Jesus says, aren't you more important than they? 
he goes on to say, and which of you in verse 27, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And then he gives a second example. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Paul says, check out the flowers. Aren't they beautiful? God God decorated them as such. Won't won't he clothe you? He's he's using an argument from lesser to greater. If God's going to take care of these lesser things, will he not care for these greater things? And you are the greater thing here. Jesus says in verse 30, If God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that they need them all. But you are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, he's taking a page from Jesus' book. And what he's saying is nothing too small or too great. You bring it to God. And so when anxiety wins, it's when we're not praying. Anxiety wins when you feel like peace is not possible. But Paul is saying we must pray. He uses a few different words to express that, going back to Philippians chapter 4. If you notice there in verse 6, He says, in everything by prayer and in supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Three different words he uses for speaking of prayer. He uses the word prayer itself, which is a generic crying out to God. He talks about supplication, which is an urgent request to God. And then he mentions request, which is saying, God, I need this. And Paul's saying, this is what you got to do. When you're battling worry, when you're struggling, you come before God and say, God, I'm here before you. It's urgent. I'm coming. I need you to intervene. I need you to intercede on my behalf. And Paul says, make your request known to God. Now listen here, fam. It's not because God doesn't know your request. It's not like God's in heaven is like, hey, you're struggling there. I don't know what's going on. You just got to tell me. But until you tell me, I'm, I, don't know, I don't know how to help you. That's not how God operates. See, God is all-powerful and all-wise and all-knowing. And so when Paul says, make your request known to God, it's not so that God finds out, but it's so you can express your dependence on God. You see, when, when we are not making our requests known, then we are essentially saying we can get this on our own. See, but making it known saying, is saying, God, I need you to step in here. I, I can't figure this out on my own. God, I'm acknowledging my need. This is a thirsty prayer. This is saying, God, I am like a deer panting for streams of water. I'm making my request known to you. And Paul says to do so with thanksgiving. It's not a name it and claim it. Because you spoke it, you will receive it. And so you're being thankful in advance for all the things you prayed for you're going to receive. No, what Paul is saying here is, Be thankful because you know God hears you, that God is able, that God will provide according to his wisdom based on what your need is. And Paul's saying when when we come before God in this posture, we have thankful hearts. And this is the heart of prayer. Prayer is anxiety's kryptonite. But I mentioned earlier, it is such because the God to whom we pray. And Paul says here in verse 7, make your requests known to 
God to God. I'm sorry, verse 6. We don't pray to anyone else. We don't trust in anyone else the way we trust in our God. Family, don't put your trust in the doctors. Go to the doctor, yes. Seek help. Seek their wisdom. Get their care. But let your trust always be first in God. Don't trust in your paycheck. Yes, make the money. Spend it wisely. But let that never be your trust. The people of the scriptures made it a point of coming to God, as Paul tells us to do here. They bring their request to God. And I was sitting down at my desk this week thinking about the people who came to God. I thought of Abraham when God tells him to leave and uproot his family and go to a land that God told him, I'm not even tell you where it is, just start walking in that direction. And when he could have been and perhaps should have been anxious, he came to God in faith. When Joseph could have been anxious and perhaps should have been anxious, when his brothers sold him as a slave, when Potiphar's wife betrays him, when the baker forgets him or the cupbearer forgets him, Joseph could have been and should have been anxious, but instead he came to God and trusted in him. So much so that 20 years later, he looks his brothers in the eye and says, God sent me here to preserve life. What you meant for evil, God meant for what? Good. Because he came to God. When Moses was anxious and perhaps could have been and should have stayed anxious because God's people just made a golden calf and started worshiping an idol when the God of Israel just delivered them out of Egypt. And God says, I'm not going up with you into the promised land. And Moses came to God and says, God, if you're not going, I ain't going either. Show me your glory. When he could have been and should have been anxious, perhaps instead he turns to God. You need more examples, family? When Joshua, I'm giving you more, (laughs) stands at the front doors of the promised land and the Canaanite giant armies are there and he's leading a million people that had given Moses the time of his life in complaining. And he could have been perhaps and perhaps should have been anxious. He came to God who said, I will be with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. Another one? When Deborah, the judge, is standing there and the people of Israel are cowards, she finds courage in her God to attack the armies. So rather than being anxious, she found courage because she came where? To God. Another? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are looking at King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, no, anyone who remains standing at the sound of this trumpet will be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And they look King Nebuchadnezzar in the eye. And rather than being anxious, although they could have been, and they perhaps should have been, they look him in the eye and they tell him, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, even if he doesn't pull us out of the fire, even if we melt there and die, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Family, I might need some help here. What about Daniel? When the king puts an edict saying that for 30 days, no one is to pray to their God except to him. Daniel, it says in Daniel 6.10, got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Although he could have been and perhaps should have been anxious, he came to God still. And what can we say of Hannah, who was anxious, distressed by infertility, or Jeremiah, who was distressed by the deafness of, of people to his warnings, or Mary, when she was alarmed by the angelic messenger. Although these and many others and countless others could have been and perhaps should have been anxious, they found peace because they came to God. Where will you be numbered among these family? When you are anxious about your singleness, worried about groceries next week, stressing about kids who don't love Jesus, dissatisfied for where life has seemed to take you, anxious perhaps when you've got decisions to make, what do you do in those moments, family? Jesus says, look at the birds. They're full. Look at the flowers. Aren't they pretty? How much more will your Heavenly Father take care of you? Don't be one of little faith. But as Paul says, bring your prayers, your supplications, and your requests with thanksgiving. Where? To God. To God. Now why bring your prayers to God? Well, Paul goes on to tell us that there's three things God does for us. Look at verse 7. It says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It is not God's will that you live anxious lives. Notice these three things. Paul says when we come to God, he gives one divine peace. It says the peace of God. It is the peace of God. Notice, God's peace isn't always the kind of peace that changes your circumstance, but it does change your posture toward the circumstance. And God's peace is a divine peace that calms you. The second thing God does in his peace, he gives unexplainable peace. Look at Paul says, it surpasses all understanding. It's the kind of peace when you have every reason, when you could have been and should have been anxious, and you're at peace, and you don't know where it comes from, or man, you know, but others don't, because you can't explain it apart from one fact. It comes from God. Sometimes God provides peace by answering the prayer in the most miraculous of ways. And I've heard the stories of some of you and others in my life who the doctor looks at them and says, this shouldn't be what the test is reading, but for some reason, you're healed. God brings peace like that, doesn't he? There's times the doctors are, are, are dumbfounded and say, I don't know how this happened, but you're good. God does bring peace like that. And God also brings peace sometimes where the doctor's like, it doesn't look good, but you seem to be at peace. Why? It's unexplainable apart from the loving hand of God. And Paul says that the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, thirdly will, 
guard your heart and mind. It is a protective peace that God offers through prayer. It's not just divine and unexplainable, but it's protective. He says it will guard your heart and your mind. Your heart in Greek thought was to encompass your entire being. And your mind is just what we know it as. Is your mind is your thoughts. You and I know that anxiousness, that worry, tends to begin right here, doesn't it? Between the ears. And what Paul is saying, what we need is God to keep watch over our minds. To stand like a sentry, like an army garrisoned, ready for action to protect. And God's peace does that. So when you're, the battle is waging in your mind and you have a fear of sudden loss and you're being anxious by that. Or fear of a certain diagnosis or the lies devaluing your worth or lies about your future, or reminders of who you once were, or reminders of what you once did, or feeling as if you let people down, or feeling as if you failed, or worrying about how you pay that bill, or worrying about next week, next month, next year. It's in the mind. The battle's here. Paul says through prayer, God provides a divine peace that's unexplainable and protects that mind of yours. You see, in prayer, God grants us the grace to say peace to anxiety. So long, anxiety. Well, Paul continues on saying, instead of being anxious, what ought we to do? Well, look at here in verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, pure, just, lovely, commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So as the battle in your mind is about all these things that the enemy and your flesh and the world around you would, would seek to, to weigh you down, on the flip side, think about what is right in God's sight, what is true in God's ways. You know, when I tuck my children in bed every night, just about every night, almost without exception, I pray that God would guard their hearts and minds. And I pray that they would think about things that are good and right and true and pure. And that's ultimately found in God and his character. And so that's what Paul says. Replace the deceit. Replace the lies. Replace the worry with God and his truth. And in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Family, you know I like to run, but I absolutely hate running on treadmills. I might have shared this with you before. Treadmills are designed to mimic a run. You can have incline on those treadmills. You can adjust the speeds. You can have from a slow jog to a dead sprint. I mean, they're designed to mimic a run outdoors. You can work up a sweat. You, you, you could be panting. You could be in thirst in need of water. You could be exhausted. But no matter what, no matter how hard you work, when you press stop and get off, you're at the same place you were at when you started. That's what worrying is like. It causes you to work up a sweat, to stress out instead of getting prayed up. It causes you to be put down, and you churn and churn over and over and over, stressing and stressing, worrying and worrying, all to find out you have made absolutely no progress in the circumstance. And what a merciful God we have, family, that he would take the name God of Peace in verse 9. That he would say, you don't have to 
cause worry to go on your own. I am the God who brings peace, the God of peace. How do we know that God will provide his divine peace, his unexplainable peace? How do we know that he will provide the protective peace? Because it's who he is at his core. It is among his essential attributes to be peace. Family, look no further than the cross of Jesus to see whether God is a God who brings peace. You see, from the book of Genesis 3 on, the Bible teaches that we are in enmity with God, hostile toward God, at odds with him. And Romans 5 tells us that Jesus, when he came, brought peace with God. So that when we look to Jesus on that cross and God's wrath was poured out on his son, taking the punishment that you and I deserve, and God brings peace in that moment to all who put their faith in Jesus. He is the God of peace in our salvation, and he is the God of peace in our Christian lives. Paul says this God of peace will be with you. If he did not spare his own son to save you, will he not much more give you all things in this life that you need in following him? If you're here today and you don't know God's peace, maybe you stand and you're saying, I don't know God like you're talking about. You must know that God is a prayer away. He is a white flag waving away. All you got to do is you cry out, say, God, I've been, I've been fighting for a long time. I've been running on this treadmill called life. I've gotten myself nowhere by worrying. I raise my white flag today. I surrender, God. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the ways I've rebelled against you, God. In that moment, you turn from your sin. You ask God for his forgiveness. He promises his forgiveness, and he promises his peace, his eternal peace by being part of his family. And if you've prayed that prayer, if you've, if you've trusted in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, he promises you ongoing peace as you trust in him, fam. So don't let anxiety win, causing you to believe that there is no such thing as peace for you. Don't let anxiety win, causing you to not pray. Don't get worked up because it'll get you stressed out. But get prayed up because it'll make you peace-filled, fam. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I'll say rejoice. Because in Jesus and in our God, he grants you and I the grace and the ability and the opportunity to say peace to anxiety. Man, what a, what a God we serve who would choose to not leave us there but offer his help. Families, we close in prayer here in a moment. I'm going to have our prayer team come up, right and left to myself and into the back. And, and if you, you are just stressing about something and worry has, has begun to win the day in your life, bring your request to God like Abraham did, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Deborah, like Mary, and countless others throughout history. And say, God, I'm not going to let anxiety went out. So let our prayer team pray with you. Just come up to one of the men or women. Just say, hey, would you pray for me? I don't know how to move forward here. Maybe you want to get right with God on your own and you just want to come and kneel down here at the stage and you just want to pray that way. That's fine as well. 
But family, don't leave this room today with the same worry that you came in with today. Last night I was thinking about this, and I'm not sure exactly how this relates, but I felt like this was something God was putting on my heart, is that, you know, when it comes to, to pressure and, and worry, God doesn't want you to be the same way you once were. Maybe you're a person just known to stress out. You, 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 the moment something bad happens, you're waiting for the next one. Don't leave today being that same kind of person. But say, God, I'm going to embrace you, trust in you and your control. Because that's what he wants for us, family. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me as we pray? Well, Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we know that, that oftentimes we find ourselves worrying more than praying. I know that's true of me, Lord, and, I, and we just want to confess that, Lord. It's a sin. It's a sin to push you away and try to figure it out on our own. And forgive us, oh, Lord. God, the alternative is so good. It's to let our requests be made known to you so that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And so, oh, Lord, Move in our hearts to respond in this way today, receiving your peace and making yourself known to others, Lord. I pray for that brother or sister today who, who's fighting to believe these words, Lord. Maybe they're hearing it, but they're, they're just so anxious that they, they just can't really believe it's true for them. God, cause faith to rise in their hearts no matter how old they are, whether they're so young or, or older, seasoned in their lives, God, may they believe you, Lord, for today. Oh, God, help us not worry, but trust. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise to our feet, families. We sing this closing song. Prayer team, would you come forward and make yourself available in the front and in the back?